Welcome to Heirloom Radio, a different kind of oldies program. My name is John Lovering, and I'm pleased to be your host. One of the most common genres on radio was that of the horror show. When you think of it, radio was perfect for that genre because radio was the theater of the imagination. And in a horror show, what you heard, what pictures in your mind were created, could be totally different from anyone else who was listening to the same show. Horror was very effective in stimulating the imagination. Shows like Escape, Lights Out, Suspense, Mysterious Traveler, Quiet Please, Nightfall, Inner Sanctum, Murder at Midnight, Obsession, and more that featured madmen, mayhem, and murder in weird, macabre tales. Truly, setting fire to the imagination of every listener. On this track, I have a show from the series known as Obsession. Thanks to the old-time radio researchers group who have worked to preserve and document this series, it was a syndicated mystery and horror series, which means that it was sold to stations who had time slots to fill. The series used short stories that were basically psychological horror tales that zeroed in on the conflict between what we want but should not have, the dark side of human desire, the costs everyone pays for obsession. The series was produced independently by C.P. Chick McGregor, with the first episode airing on October 9, 1950. It all began on WBBM radio in Chicago as a filler show. A time slot was open, and this was a show that they would pop in to fill that time. The role of the filler lasted only until January 1951, because by then, Obsession had become so popular that it earned its own time slot. The program ran for 17 months, coming to its final broadcast on May 12th, 1952. The stars included the talented Vincent Price, Lou Merrill, Joan Loring, Elliot Lewis, Barry Sullivan, Jane Wyatt, Gail Page, Ted Osborne, Tom Conway, Hilary Brooks, and many others. All excellent vocal actors with very successful careers on the radio, and many of them in film and television as well. The story you're about to hear features Vincent Price and Uh, episode entitled Compartment B, Car 92. This is the track from the Armed Forces Radio Service that aired the program under several different names like Paranoia and Death House Express. So here is the second show from the series of about 30 total programs. Obsession, Compartment B, Car 92. This is Heirloom Radio, a different kind of oldies program, and I do thank you for listening.
psychiatrist. Too often the human mind is a diabolically complex machine designed for murder. The lust to kill oft-times lies closer to the surface, unrecognized, than is ever dreamed of. That lust is called paranoia, a word meaningless until a simple hairspring motivation turns the sane to insane, cunning, crafty, calculating, held in the vice-like grip of an overwhelming obsession. In a moment, you will find a deeper meaning in that word paranoia in the story starring Vincent Price. such men ride the train from Willet Falls to Banning City. This third passenger watches keenly the building of the slow, hot fires of a terrible obsession. Davis. Yes? Care to play a game of casino? Oh, no, thanks. I think I'll read. Okay. This is a very interesting article. You should read it yourself. What's it about? The various types of insanity. <laughs> That's quite a thing to be reading. That's quite academic, not the usual tripe at all. Academic or not, I don't go for that stuff. Screwballs and loons. But those are people, too. After all, every one of us is supposed to have some kind of an insane streak. The majority subdue their manias. These weaker ones are the people who fill our asylums. Who told you that? It says so here in the article. Well, I don't believe it. Oh, that's what makes insanity such an interesting subject. The element of uncertainty which surrounds it. Would you believe that there are people who are insane that the finest psychiatrists are unable to detect? Yeah? Yes. A certain type are called paranoiacs. Well... You see, many paranoiacs are fully aware of their deranged state of mind, and they go to great lengths to conceal it. <laughs> that's what makes them so dangerous. That's all very interesting, but I don't care. <laughs> you can keep your, uh, your, uh... Paranoia? Yeah. And I'll take Dick Tracy. Well, everyone to their own taste. Inspector. Hmm? If you intend to read the comics, would you be so good as to keep your right hand a bit closer to mine? I find it quite difficult to hold my magazine and turn the page with these handcuffs on. <laughs> an apple, Davis? No, thank you, Inspector. Well, I'll slice it in half in case you change your mind later on. It's an attractive knife you have there, Inspector. The handle's mother of pearl, isn't it? Hmm? Uh, oh, yeah. What are you thinking about, Inspector? I was thinking of you, Davis. Me? 
You're a funny duck. I can't help but wonder about you. Wonder how? Why'd you do it, Davis? Well, now, wasn't it you who suggested we didn't think about it? Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, you needn't be, because I don't mind. Not really. Matter of fact, I rather enjoy talking to you. Inspector, have you ever been in love? Well, yes, certainly. But that's a funny question. How was yours? Yeah. See, I didn't tell the others. That rooming house. I lived there myself. I took the room under an assumed name. Dorothy lived right above me. We were engaged once, Dorothy and I, two years ago. We were going to be married. We were very much in love. Then suddenly she started to change toward me. I thought it was my imagination at first. Then all at once I knew it was true. She had changed. Someone else. No, there was no one. That's why I couldn't understand it. We had a date one night. She told me it was all over. And she moved. I searched for her everywhere, and finally I found she had taken a room in a boarding house. I called her many times, but she had left word that she wasn't at home to me. That's when I moved there myself. Oh, to get her back? No, no, I, I knew it was impossible, as she told me. I, I just wanted to be near her, to see her. I'd watch her go down the stairs to work in the morning. Then I'd hurry home in the evening, so I'd be there first to see her come back to her room. And she never knew you lived there? No, never. That is until the night before it happened. I met her on the stairs outside the house accidentally. She told me she was going to be married. <laughs> I congratulated her. I remember that. Then I went up to my room, but I couldn't sleep that night. Because I could hear her laughing and talking upstairs with some man. The following night, I heard the same man's voice up in her room. With the thought of him being there, I didn't like it. Then... There was a butcher knife laying on the kitchen table. I took it and I walked up the stairs. I knocked on the door. Dorothy answered and I, I found her alone. It was him that I wanted, and so I started to go. Then I looked at her face. She was laughing at me. At me. I couldn't stand it. I took the knife and, and I killed her. Just like that, Inspector, I killed Cigarette, Davis? No, thank you. But, Inspector, I, I believe I'll change my mind about that half of the apple. Could I have it now? Sure. Here. Yeah. Well, would you be good enough to peel it for me, you know? Hmm? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Wait. Wait till I get my knife. Here you are. Oh, I dropped the apple, would you? And you dropped your knife, Inspector. Davis! Davis, don't move. You're exceedingly unobserving, Inspector. I didn't dream it would be quite so simple to knock the knife out of your hand. And that over, Davis. Really, Inspector, with this blade in your ribs, aren't you overlooking the fact that I'm giving the orders now? What do you expect to get out of this? First, your key to these handcuffs. All right, give them to me. Be quick about it, please. Thank you. Now your revolver, please. Listen, Davis. You'll never get away with this. Your description will be wired to every police station or sheriff's office in the country. Ah, but you're mistaken. Who is going to wire my description? Why, I... You? Oh, no, Inspector. I trust that at some time or other you will have the foresight to take out a life insurance policy payable on your death to your wife and children. It would be a shame to see your family left 
uncared for. <laughs> you mean... I mean that at a propitious moment, I intend to kill you, Inspector. Now give me all your credentials and identifications, please, Inspector. What do you want my papers for? You are dull, Inspector. But I suppose no more so than your law enforcement compatriots. You see, I plan on taking your credentials and representing you. <laughs> Rather fortunate that we're quite alike in stature, isn't it? You must be insane to try something like this. That's one of your first profound observations. Do you recall my mentioning paranoiacs a while ago? Yeah. I wouldn't confide this to anyone but you, Inspector. But inasmuch as you're unlikely to repeat anything you hear, I might as well tell you that for some time now I've been rather worried that I myself might possibly be mentally afflicted. You're not serious. Oh, but I am quite serious. You see, I've only recently become aware of a certain Machiavellian cleverness in my actions and plots. A cleverness that I must admit was not previously endowed in me. Further... Although I like you exceptionally well, Inspector, I'll confess that, strangely enough, I'm going to rather enjoy killing you. You are crazy. As I've said, possibly. Say nothing. Yes, who's there? Conductor. What do you want? Open up, please. What do you want? I have to have your tickets. Oh, one moment. Conductor doesn't know you by sight, does he? Answer me, does he know you? No. I'll unlock the door. Give me your wrist. Here, put one of these handcuffs on. Quick. There. You stay beside me. Don't make a move. Understand, not one move. Oh, I'm sorry I was so long in answering. One has yeah, to be very... Inspector Harwell, we were told that you'd have a prisoner with you. Oh? Oh, yes, you were told, of course. I hear the ticket. Ah, uh, if there's anything you should want, Inspector, just press that button for the porter. I have him standing by. Oh, thank you. Well, I hope your trip comes off all right. I'm sure it will, thank you. Well, then I'll be um, getting along. Conductor. Yes. Uh, how long before we reach Banning City? Oh, about an hour and a half, Inspector. Oh, well, thank you again. Sure thing. All right, Inspector. I, I think we'd better get these handcuffs off now. What do you intend to do now, Davis? Well, Inspector, you heard what the conductor said. One hour and a half until we reach Banning City. That doesn't leave us very much time, does it? What are you getting at? Well, if I'm going to make good my escape, I'll have to start making arrangements now, won't I? Davis. Davis, put that knife away. Forgive me, Inspector, but I'm very afraid that propitious moment has arrived. Davis. Wait. I'm wait sorry, up. Inspector. Wait, wait, I'm wait, very... Wait. of steam from the locomotive's whistle drowns out the last gurgling cry of Harwell, the inspector, the man with a pearl-handled pocket knife, who realized too late that the affability of his train companion was but a camouflage to hide a razor-edged obsession. and three passengers bound from Willett Falls to the prison city of Banning. In our story, starring Vincent Price. As the speeding train hurtles down the threads of steel that leads to the death house at Banning City, Davis stares thoughtfully into the glazed eyes of the man he's just murdered. 
his cunning, insane mind carefully, analytically planning his next move with the same shrewd detachment of a chess player moving a pawn. His eyes flicker down to his wrist, still locked in a steel embrace with that of his victim. And again, his mind floods with the exhilaration of his master craftsmanship, the overpowering strength of his one obsession. Well, Inspector, too bad you couldn't have stayed long enough to witness the last act of my little drama. So you see, now that I've killed you, the rest becomes quite simple. I have sent for the conductor, Inspector. And do you know why? I'm going to ask him to stop the train so that I might make an important call to headquarters. Thereupon, I will disappear. And by the time your body is discovered, I will undoubtedly be in another county, thanks to your credentials. Oh, but come now. You'd better straighten up a bit. There, there. That's better. Oh, here now. I hadn't noticed that you bleed quite profusely. Perhaps we'd better place my handkerchief inside your coat. So you won't appear to be wounded. There you are. I'm sure you'll look... Yes? Yes, who's there? It's the conductor, Inspector Harwell. Oh, wait a minute, please. Well, Inspector, I must be handcuffed to you again, unfortunately. Come in. The uh, porter said you wanted to see me, Inspector. Yes, indeed. It appears that I left some very important papers regarding my prisoner and Willett Falls. This, I'm afraid, will necessitate an immediate phone call. Mm, well, I could have the train stop for you, Inspector. Oh, fine. Only I don't know where you could make a call. This is desert we're passing through. The last stop where you could have got a phone was Cartwright when we picked up our last passenger. Are you sure? Sure as taxes, Inspector. I'm sorry. However, we're on time, being banning in an hour, if that'll do any good. Of course it won't do me any good. I just finished telling you that. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Inspector. Oh, Yes, well, thank you. Say, uh, what's wrong with your with your friend there? What? Your pal. Is he snoozing? Oh, yes, yes, he is. He's, he's taking a little nap. Oh, how do you like that? A guy that can sleep on his way to the death house. <laughs> Boy, some of these killers are sure cold-blooded, aren't they? Yes. Yes, aren't they, though? Uh, well, Inspector, if that's all, oh, I... Yes, yes, thank you anyway. So long. Yes, so long. Oh. Well, now what do you think of that, Inspector? It seems that fate has interceded momentarily, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I've never jumped from a moving train before, but, well, the sand should be of help. Oh, wish me luck, Inspector. Now, let's get these handcuffs off, hmm? There. Well, it's clumsy of me to drop your keys, eh? Should be under the seat here. Yes, sir. I can't reach them. I'll try it with my foot. I... I can't reach the keys. I can't reach them. And the handcuffs won't come off without those keys. The handcuffs won't come off. you were alive, Inspector, you'd think me a coward, wouldn't you, to become frightened when I found myself unable to reach those handcuff keys. <laughs> but you would admire me for realizing in time that frenzy must be exchanged for resourcefulness, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, who's that? 
I'm sorry to bother you, Inspector. Yes, Conductor, what is it? Uh, this lady here got on a cart right, and we can't find a place for her to sit in the chair car. Oh? She's only going as far as Banning, and I suggested she might share your compartment, if you don't mind. Well, it so happens I do mind. This compartment is reserved by the police department of Willett Falls, and not for the convenience of wayward travelers. Now, just a minute. Oh, now, look. Conductor, I didn't know. Uh, it's all right, miss. Uh, listen, Inspector, this compartment is not reserved. It's a courtesy that the line shows to the police department whenever possible. You'll find that your ticket actually calls for a chair car in Coach 3. Now, if you don't intend to cooperate with us, I'll have to ask you to move to Coach 3. That is, if you can get in at all. Well, under the circumstances, I don't seem to have much choice, do I? Show the lady in. All right, here you are, miss. Forty minutes before we reach Banning, I'll call you. Oh, thank you, Conductor. Yes, Conductor. By all means, call us when we reach Banning City. We'll be waiting. Inspector, I... I'm really terribly sorry that my company was more or less forced upon you. I'd like to apologize. It's all right. Trains are crowded these days. I suppose we just have to make the best of it. I can understand that you would have some hesitancy about having a woman in the same compartment with a murderer. Murderer? Yes, your conductor told me all about your prisoner. But it really doesn't frighten me at all. It doesn't? No. You don't mind being here with a murderer? Not as long as you're here. I'll just trust you to take care of the situation. You... you trust me? Of course. But you don't know who I am. <laughs> what difference does that make? In any way, I do know who you are. You're Inspector Harwell of the Willett Falls Police Department. The conductor told me that, too. What's your name? Dorothy. Dorothy Jones. I hate the name of Jones, don't you? No. No, I like it. And I like Dorothy, too. I used to know a Dorothy once. Did you? Yes, she looked something like you. She was blonde and tall and young and pretty like you. Thank you. Whatever happened to her? What? Where is she now? Oh, she went away. She took a long trip. On a boat, I think. Oh, I've always wanted to go on a long trip. I never get the chance, though. Maybe you will. Say, your prisoner, he's certainly a sound sleeper, isn't he? Uh, yes. Yes, he is that. He doesn't even look like he's breathing. No, no. Some people sleep that way, I guess. He could be dead and you wouldn't even know it, would you? Don't talk like that. What? What's wrong, Inspector? You seem worried. I'm not worried. Why should I be worried? It's just that this job gets on my nerves. I'm not made of steel. You know, you're not much like a detective. What makes you say that? I thought all detectives had nerves of steel. I, I didn't think any of you ever got bothered, but... Inspector, your coat. What? Your coat. It's got blood on it. Oh, oh well, I was I was peeling an apple. I cut my hand. I, I cut my hand, you understand? Oh, what are you staring at? It's the other man who's bleeding. It's the other man. I... Quiet. Quiet. You hear me? Don't raise your voice. You... You've got a gun. Yes, his gun. And you may be assured that I'll use it unless you do exactly as I say. Now, listen closely, Miss Jones. On the floor beneath this seat, you'll find the keys to these handcuffs. Be good enough to get them for me, please. Quickly, please. Here. Thank you. There. That's better. Now, why, Miss Jones, you appear to be shocked. Is something troubling you? You're not the inspector. You, you're a murderer. 
You killed Inspector Harwell, didn't you? I'm afraid so. Oh, but come now. Let's not be morbid about it. They'll catch you. They will. I hardly think so. You see, Miss Jones, since you've been kind enough to help me dispense with these bracelets, the problem of escape really becomes quite simple once again. What are you going to do? You're frightened of me, aren't you? You're thinking that I might kill you? That's an understandable emotion. Don't. Don't come any closer. Keep away from me. I'll relieve you of your coat, please. What? What do you want with my coat? Are you tearing it? Of course. I shall need these strips of cloth to bind and gag you. Now, hold out your wrists and we'll slip these bracelets on. There, now, we'll bind your feet. No. No, let me go. I'll have to ask you not to struggle, Miss Jones. I realize how unpleasant this must be for you. However, it would be considerably more unpleasant if I should be forced to pull this trigger. You must be out of your mind. Oh, now, that's strange. Inspector Harwell said the same thing. Just before he died. Now open your mouth, please. No, I... No, there. No. That's fine. I do. Well, now I... Oh. I believe it's time for me to take my leave. I'll say goodbye and... Oh. Wait. Wait a minute. The train's slowing down. Something's wrong. They... Oh. oh of course, the train's taking a siding. I'll wait until we slow down a bit more, and then I shall... I shall leap from this window... In approximately 30 minutes, this train will be pulling into Banning City. But without me, because, Miss Jones, I'll be on my way to freedom. It's done, and I've planned it all myself. Nothing could go wrong now. Nothing. Well, goodbye, Miss Jones. Dorothy. Goodbye. Catch this wire from Cartwright. Holy smoke, so that's the delay. Let me have that phone, Mac. Hello? Hello. This is the station agent Banning City. You better send an ambulance to Centerville Junction. Some guy jumped in front of an eastbound special just as it was passing the local. Huh? No, he's dead. Goodbye. been listening to Obsession. has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.